Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to a Sunday service. I'm Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi. And we'd especially like to welcome our guests in the First Timers Week here at the Expanding Light and Yoga Therapy, and also all our friends watching online. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light, uh, written by Swami Kriyananda, and it's based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Our topic for this week is, uh, do you need a guru? <laughs> Find out. <laughs> Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Many people scoff at the idea of having a guru. True to human nature generally, they make a virtue of their scoffing. I am responsible for what I do, they announce. Responsible for my mistakes as well as for my victories. What would I ever learn if I handed over my development to someone else? To depend on another for guidance would be an act of spiritual cowardice. It would be understandable for someone gifted with some trivial ability, for instance with words, to insist on doing his crossword puzzle himself without letting anyone else help him. But supposing, even in such trivial matters, he had no such gift, what virtue would there be in refusing to learn? For that matter, moreover, where do our gifts come from? They are not a native ability. Still, Crossword puzzles are hardly an important challenge. What if a person wanted to do something daring, to climb a cliff, for instance, but refused to study the art of mountain climbing? He would climb at the risk of his life. And how much more is risk than physical life in the great adventure of the divine search, where the risk is, uh, where the risk is to salvation itself? Where is the sacrifice in seeking guidance? Even a mountain guide wouldn't presume to do one's climbing for one. His purpose would be only to help the neophyte to climb safely. To have a wise guru is not a sign of weakness, but of plain common sense. All the saints, aware as they are of the hazards of the adventure, agree on the importance of having a guide or guru and these are the heroes speaking, not cowards or spiritual weaklings. Jesus emphasized the importance of having a teacher by asking John to baptize him. In the Gospels of St. Matthew, chapter 3, we read of his coming to John. Thus Jesus said to John, It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In the Bhagavad Gita, the fourth chapter, Sri Krishna says, Open thyself to those who have attained wisdom. They will be thy teachers. Ask questions of them, both verbally and mentally. Serve them faithfully and with devotion. How is the devotee to recognize one who has attained wisdom? The Bhagavad Gita gives this inspiring description of the sage. By this sign is he known, being of equal grace to comrades, friends, chance comers, strangers, lovers, enemies, aliens, kinsmen, loving all alike, evil or good. Thus, through Holy Scripture, 
God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. I'd like to welcome you also and to start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity, beautiful book of prayers and also poems by Paramahansa Yogananda. This prayer is called, I Want to Hear Thy Song in the Silence of My Soul. Thy gentle voice saying, come home, I often heard, but through many lives it was drowned in the tumult of my wild cravings. I have forsaken the jostling crowds of desire. In the solitude of my mind, my devotion bursts to hear thy voice. Take away every dream memory of earthly sounds that yet lurks in my mind. I want to hear thy still voice, ever singing in the silence of my soul. Well, I think that prayer beautifully summarizes the experience of many of us here, knowing that there's something waiting for us and wanting to find it. In these readings of Rays of the One Light, um, often Swami will take a theme. And so the theme for the past month has related to the Guru, because this is a very important part of our spiritual journey. And actually, three weeks ago, Naya Swami Jyotish gave the Sunday service, and he spoke quite eloquently on exactly the topic, do you need a guru? So I thought I might encourage you to listen to that and to say that this morning we'll pick this up by a slightly different question. Instead of do you need a guru, what, is the, what are the blessings of being a disciple? So just looking at the same uh, idea from a slightly different angle. Voltaire said something that you may have heard. He said, um, if God did not exist, it would be necessary for man to invent him. And actually, I'm not sure what Voltaire meant, but I think what he means is that we need to be reverent. There needs to be something that we can be reverent for. And so I would say the same thing about the guru. If the guru did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him because being a disciple offers us something unique inside of ourselves, something in our heart that is especially developed in the process of being a disciple. I um, came onto the spiritual path in a different way than most of the people that I know. Uh, most of the people that I know got interested in Indian teachings, maybe in their teens or 20s. I, I came with a lot of people uh, in our 20s, and so my other friends were studying uh, Indian teachings beforehand. They were reading Autobiography of a Yogi. I was just merely being entertained by the world. Um, Yogananda said the purpose of life is for our entertainment and our education, and I was not being educated, but I was being entertained. 
And um, that was fine. I didn't have any problem with the world. I, I think I had a low threshold of entertainment, and <laughs> I was okay with things. But uh, on the night of my 23rd birthday, I went to sleep in that sort of vapid state of mind. And in the morning, I woke up a very different person. I woke up with a desperate sense that I could not bear myself. I could not bear the shallowness of my existence. world was fine, but I was not. And I felt like I was living here and that there was something much deeper underneath. And I had to find out what that was. And so that led me to meditation, which was obviously a wonderful step. And that led me to Ananda. And with Ananda came a whole other level of what the spiritual path was about. And that had to do with the guru. It had to do with discipleship. Never heard of these things before. And honestly, when I heard people calling Yogananda master, I just wasn't comfortable with that. I just didn't know what was going on here. But something important for me was going on, and I had to pursue that. And so I began that journey. And I was thinking it would be valuable to, to just briefly talk about well, what, what is the guru. Um, when I came, uh, we, we were reading the New Age Journal, and we were reading uh, Yoga Journal. And in those days, the 70s, there, was quite a lot of, there were quite a lot of gurus around. And they had ads in the magazines. And one of the best ads was for a guru who actually gave his credentials by sharing his past lives. <laughs> and his past lives were pretty impressive. I mean, I think, I think Buddha was in there, and uh, some other avatars were you know, part, of the, part of the thing that he'd, he'd come from. And so there was this um, guru craze. And Swami Kriyananda, our teacher here, was quite different. He said, I don't know why everyone wants to be a guru. He said, I want to be a disciple. And that is our path here. And we see it in the autobiography of a yogi. We see Master, who is an avatar, who came into this life completely free, with the deepest reverence for his guru. And his guru, Sri Yukteswar, Another avatar, completely free, with the deepest reverence for his guru. And these are, the, these are the giants. These are the supermen. And they're not afraid to be reverent. They're not, don't feel humble by being a disciple. But rather, it's the highest that we can be. And so this idea of the guru, at one satsang, Swamiji said to us, remember, the guru is you. So within each human being, there is a guru living here at the spiritual eye, at the Christ Consciousness Center, and experienced here, here and here. And yet, in many people, the guru is just simply waiting. There are people out there who think robbing banks will uh, bring them satisfaction, or arguing with their neighbors, or amassing a lot of money. And the guru inside of them sits quietly and just says, I'll wait. At some point, you're going to be ready, and you're going to start looking. And so when we start looking, 
if we're fortunate, we find a guru outside, a, a, a person who has completely united their consciousness with the guru consciousness, with the Christ consciousness. They are one with God. And when we try to attune ourselves to that consciousness as a disciple, as a disciple is not about bowing and scraping and that sort of thing, it's saying, who am I? I want to attune myself to the highest I can attune myself to, which is the guru, which is the realized master. And as we begin to practice that, we draw on the magnetism. Because the guru brings teachings, yes, techniques, yes. Not all gurus do bring teachings and techniques. We happen to have that blessing, but some just simply bring magnetism. They are one with God, and by attuning to their magnetism, they draw us out of all the old negative qualities, all the hypnotizing qualities of the past. They help us to rise above, to transform all that into our divinity. And so we find in that relationship the potential to discover the depth that is within us. And so that has been the journey, certainly the journey I've been on, certainly the journey all of us who are disciples are on. Who am I really? And I will find this out through the avenue of being a disciple. Disciple offers us such a unique opportunity. I saw a cartoon recently uh, that I enjoyed. It was two dogs walking along. And one dog had a sort of a scowl on his face. And he obviously was venting to the other dog. And he said, all I hear is sit, stay, heal. Never, never think, create, be yourself. And, and I think, I think that's the fear. I think that's the fear when people hear guru and disciple, they think, okay, it's all about, well, it is about sitting, actually, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but, but it's also about creating, thinking, being yourself truly. And that's what we can get in a way that we can't get any other way. Swami Kriyananda was having a discussion with his guru, Yogananda, and he said to Yogananda, Master, one of the disciples, he named the name, said that he doesn't think that he can follow you anymore. He feels that he needs to express his free will. And I love this part of the story. Yogananda just looked at him in wonderment and said, but his will isn't free. How could he think his will is free? He's controlled by moods and past habits. You find freedom by attuning your consciousness to someone who has freedom. And that's what the guru brings us. So with that potential, we have this, we aren't trying to, I was thinking about this, human relationships, there are so many beautiful um, models of human relationships, motherhood, fatherhood, friendship, pure friendship, all these great ways of sharing love. But with the guru, 
The love that we have is for one who's beyond the personal, who's perfected themselves in God. And so it, it elevates our love to a higher level. And as we become open to the guru, amazingly enough, we become open to life. We just are not just sort of saying, okay, it's all about the guru, it's all about the guru, but rather we begin to see, oh, that person just spoke to me. I think my guru was speaking to me through that person, or that person just insulted me. That was a lesson for me, for my guru. We begin to see that life itself is our guru, and, and we have to be more and more open to that. That was the most, one of the most inspiring things about uh, Swami Kriyananda was this person who was on such an exalted level and yet conversed with each person totally open to them, totally seeing the divine in them. Over the years, I've met many people who've come to Ananda who happened to meet Swami when he was on tour or this or that thing, and they would say to me, I have a special relationship with Swami Kriyananda. And I would just smile and go, Yes, you do. So does everyone. And everyone felt, everyone felt he knows who I am. He really understands me. Because he was just open. And that's the quality we're looking for, to be open to life. I found that having been at Ananda, I've had the opportunity to visit um, Muslim shrines, Catholic shrines, Jewish shrines and really feel God's presence wherever I go. It's not my path, but I can feel God because of becoming open through one way. And so that's one of the great blessings of discipleship is a sense of openness. With that openness, our heart begins to soften. We're not, John Muir, he's a great uh, naturalist for those who don't know him, John Muir said, most people are like marbles. Marbles. Little hard, little round things. Why? Because they're just protecting their little ego. They're just uh, uh, protected from life. They're knocking up against other marbles and they're not really interacting with those marbles. And yet as we open to the guru, our little marble starts to soften. And um, when Swami Kriyananda and his some, some fellow uh, disciples were visiting Ananda Moima, who was a great, great woman saint of the 20th century, she said about them, they are soft. They are soft. Their hearts were gentle. They were respectful. They were open. It's a quality that our life around us does not promote. You know, this is a world, this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. This is a dog where you have to, uh, a dog. This is a world where you have to be tough and you have to protect yourself. It doesn't promote that. And so with discipleship, we, we get to discover a softness in ourselves. There was a woman who visited uh, the Expanding Life for quite a while. She was from Australia. And she really liked it here, but after a while she said, I've got to get back to Australia where the men are men. <laughs> and I actually, 
I actually didn't see that as an insult to the men at Ananda at all, because I think she was imagining these guys with big, brawny muscles and macho attitudes and, you know, wrestling crocodiles to the ground or whatever it is. But to me, to be a, a human being, male or female, means to be soft, to be open, to, to be respectful of other people, and that's a quality that we develop as disciples, and it's a quality we want to nurture in ourselves. The other is listening. We're trying to listen to the voice of the guru coming to us as intuition. We're trying to listen to God's guidance in everything in our life. And as we are doing that, we're also starting to listen to other people. And it goes hand in hand with the openness, with the respect, with the softness, but we're, we're genuinely interested in who they are and what they have to say. And that's the quality that I think comes from discipleship. Now you might say, well, are these, how do you know that the guru is really responding to you? Because the other thing that we're doing is we're we're praying, aren't we? We're asking for guidance. We're trying to live in relationship always to the guru. What am I supposed to be doing here? What am I supposed to be saying here? We're listening. We're, we're trying to live in a listening fashion, not just like, I know what's right, and I'm going to get my way, and this is it, and so on, but rather, what is really trying to happen here? And so then you think, well, okay, but how is that different than God? Could could all of it be about devotion to God, and, and you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that, I was like, is it, is it Yogananda? Is it Swami Kriyananda? I've had answers to my prayers come to me from Swami Kriyananda, very obvious fashion. Or is it, is it the guru, or is it just God? And sometimes we know, sometimes we know by a specific feeling, and sometimes a master leaves a calling card. And I wanted to share a story like that that happened here in 1990, and it's really appropriate now because this is fire season. And I wanted to share a story about fire that was one of the most um, one of the most inspiring um, experiences of the Guru's presence that I've had. I was living at the meditation retreat bar, and I were running a the program, which is now called Living Discipleship. It was a, a month-long training program for new members. And after the program, people stayed, and we lived together at the meditation retreat. It was like a little community of new people uh, to Ananda. And uh, Bharat was away at the time. I was in the, I was in the kitchen uh, getting dinner together for people, and um, the phone rang. And it was Swami Kriyananda, which is a part of the story that's like a little aside, but to me it was also part of it. Um, I don't get that many calls from Swami Kriyananda. I wasn't in the um, uh, uh, meditation retreat kitchen that often. But there's the phone, it rings, and Swami shares some thoughts he's had with me about something. Okay, so afterwards I thought he could feel something about to happen, and that's why he called. So I hang up the phone, and I hear outside uh, the dome what's called a borate bomber. These are small planes that drop fire retardant on um, 
around a fire so that, it, so that the shrubbery around it won't catch fire. And whenever, if you've lived in the Sierras for a while, whenever you hear one of those planes, you immediately go outside to see, can you see smoke, can you see flames? So I ran outside, nothing. I couldn't see anything. Wyatt comes tearing through the kitchen, he's one of our members, tearing through the kitchen and goes outside and climbs a pine tree. And he comes running back in and he says the A-frame is on fire. The A-frame was a small little building, one of the first buildings built at Ananda. Very simple structure and surrounded, very closely surrounded by shrubbery. In those days our fire clearing was a little bit <laughs> lacking. Anyway, surrounded by shrubbery, it's about 150 yards from the temple, the main dining room area, and so forth. And so he comes running in to call the fire department. Um, the fire department meditation retreat is way down a dirt road. So for the fire department to get to us was going to take about 15 minutes. But he, he called them immediately. I went running in the direction of the fire, which, you know, might not be that. The most intelligent thing to do, but anyway, that's what I did, and I felt like Master had something for me to see there. So I went running down this path, and what did I see? But the A-frame was a torch. There was no wind whatsoever. It was blowing, the, wind, the flame was going up like this. All the shrubbery around it was covered with fire retardant. And as I stood there, like 30 seconds after Wyatt uh, came in to call the fire department. The volunteer fire department comes up with their hoses and all their equipment. They rush in and they put out the fire. Well, the whole thing was extremely mysterious to me. And as the evening progressed, uh, the pieces came put together. First of all, uh, one of our young kids up at the meditation retreat had, had just ridden her bike past that structure about, mm, 15 minutes earlier. The path goes right by the building. There was absolutely no sign of flames. She just rode up to the dining room for dinner. Um, in the time after she passed, the building must have just exploded into flame. We don't know how. We think the most likely thing was that a mouse chewed the, uh, the, um, the stuff that protects electric wires, and the electric wires, once the generator went on, just burst into flame, and the whole thing went up. So she comes up, um, unbeknownst to us, because there's tall trees everywhere, so the smoke is going straight up, we couldn't see it. Um, people are sitting on the porch and not knowing anything, that just like this major fire is like just a few feet away. <laughs> Meanwhile, a Bore 8 bomber flies over the meditation retreat on its way to a fire in Downeyville. It sees this flame in between where its destination is and where it's going, and it wires, it uh, phones the fire tower and says, may I, there's a fire here, can I drop the borate right here? And of course they say yes, and of course they immediately contact the volunteer fire department. We're just clueless, we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and all this is happening. Uh, Dave or she had been sitting out on the, on the deck with people. And they looked at this plane and somebody said, oh, is that a Borate bomber? And he was explaining to them why no, that wasn't a fire plane. And like, oh. <laughs> so, so we're rushing down there. So this plane drops that, the fire comes, and it's all put out. 
Well, I mean, the whole thing was over in minutes, and we were spending time afterwards dealing with things. The people who came home, who had lost their possessions in the fire, within two weeks they had everything returned to them by other people in the community, better clothes than they had before, <laughs> a guitar, and so forth. Um, but that evening, just you know, in the aftermath of the adrenaline and so forth, I just was lying there talking to Divine Mother about the split second timing. It was just, it was just beyond belief how quickly everything happened and so perfectly. The next morning, uh, the karma yogis went out, the people went out during karma yoga session to clean up around the fire. And everything was gone except for one thing. In the bushes, there was a piece of paper that was the frontispiece of autobiography of a yogi, the picture of Paramahansa Yogananda, neatly burned around the edges, sitting there in the bushes. Left his calling card. If you have any doubts about who is taking care of your life, that was our message. So we have an amazing, amazing opportunity uh, to be given to not only have great masters, but to discover what does it mean to be a disciple and how beautiful can life be when we're living as a disciple. So let's just take a moment and we'll reflect on this. In every thought, in every flower, 
a joy that spans eternity, the truth that makes us ever free. May thy joy fill our days. Oh, Master, may thy wisdom guide our ways. Oh, Master, may thy joy fill our days. May thy wisdom guide our way.